You said if we would return to you You said if we would turn from our wicked ways You said if we would humble ourselves and pray You said if we would come with weeping You said if we would come around our hearts You said if we would come and let you hear our voice Let you see our face That you would come to describe each other. Yeah, I know you're going first. Compassion. Mm, godly. The chemistry is clear, but for a long time, they were a volatile combination. Things that would get said that really were very hurtful, and we would do things that was just, it was dangerous and sad. When they met in 2000 at an apartment swimming pool, the single parents each had sorted past. Meth, alcohol, pot, you name it, anything other than needles or heroin. It was just, I would do anything. Previous to her, I think I had been in nine, ten treatments. Uh, so I struggled with alcohol was my main uh, drug of choice. Two years into their courtship, the physical abuse started. The landlord and police officers were regular visitors. Tammy would stay up for six days straight fueled by meth. Sean relied on shot after shot of vodka, starting around 6 a.m. For years, they managed to hide it from their employers and their kids, who never even saw them take a drink, until it all became too obvious. We've been together for 13 years, and done all of our, our dope and stuff, drinking and everything together, and then our daughter came to us and said, can you guys please stop? I need some help with my kids. Homeless, broke, desperate, they entered Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge's 13-month male and female programs. I literally was at the point where I said, I just don't care. I don't care if we're together. I don't care about any of this. I don't care if I die. It was just, there was no hope. None. When I say, like, hope, hopelessness, it was the epitome of hopelessness for us. Over the next year, that changed just the love and the compassion they showed us that we just, we didn't deserve. The couple took time apart to heal themselves, growing in their Christian faith and learning how to make sober life stick. They are both now staff members, coaching men and women in the program that they adore. I don't know that I'll ever stop working there. I love this ministry with all my heart. I'm on the front lines every day with these women. I wouldn't have it any other way. She didn't just get a job upon graduation. She also got a ring. Sean and Tammy tied the knot, a union they credit a certain group for. It helped me. It saved my life. It saved his life. We changed our life, and now we've changed our children's life, and we change our grandchildren's life. No kidding. For sure. Thanks, Sean and Tammy, for coming in and for sharing their story with us, Yeah, too. it takes a lot of courage. So, so bold. Them. Yeah, we wish them luck and everyone else there, too. Thank you, Susan Elizabeth. <laughs> I would just like to say uh, that that story, that could have ended in a very tragic way. 
without our Lord uh, picking us up from that hole we were in and giving us the life that we don't deserve today. I mean that we absolutely are just blessed. Um, oh, I wanted to say something quick before I pray. I, 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 this is after our pastor here. This is, this is funny. I, I just started laughing to myself last night. So he always is quoting the Batman and Superman movies and, and the intricacy in there. I just want to say, there, I, so I'm watching Wonder Woman. <laughs> and I hear, and it's, it's very pertinent to what we're going to do in our life. And it is, uh, it's not about what we deserve. It's about what we believe. Because if we all got what we deserve, obviously we wouldn't be here. Uh, and our, thankfully we can believe in a Lord that gives us everlasting life. And a life worth living. So I'll let my wife start this off. Oh, I'll place, praise in my fault. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for bringing everybody here and whoever's listening today, their ears open. As we open our hearts and minds today and uh, share our story, all I ask is that you are the answer to it all. You're the one. You get all the glory for everything that is coming out of our mouth because without you, we wouldn't be here today. Uh, so filter our words that come out that they glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Um, I just, I guess, I want to flip this over. There we go. Wow, that means so much to me. Um, I'll start off with a little bit about my past. Um, I'm an only child, and I was raised by a mom and dad who I thought were together uh, as a husband and wife. And um, at about six months of age, I had gotten to, um, my mom found a babysitter through the church, or through the newspaper to take care of me while she worked. I was told that my father was a truck driver over the road, and so that's why I would not see him very often. Um, I spent, I would say, 80% of my time with this family um, that was quote-unquote babysitting me. And they were not of any drugs, alcohol, nothing like that. They actually were just Lutheran and normal, what I thought was, you know, normal. And so I would go back to my mom at night, and then most times on weekends I would stay with this family. And every time my dad would come in town, um, my mom would spend it with him. So it wasn't like we were like a family family. Um, at about the age of 11, we moved into our sixth house, and uh, one day my mom and dad came home from the bar and pulled me out of bed and said, um, your dad is married to another woman, and he has a family, and that's why you don't see him. But this is our family secret. And so I wasn't to tell anybody. I wasn't to share that. And to be honest with you, the last thing I really, I, I don't even remember how I reacted to that, other than the fact that I knew I had brothers and sisters, and that really excited me. So... I could never see them. They couldn't know about me, but I could know about them. So I started living this life of secrecy and thinking that this is how people lived. And um, 
not realizing now I don't know who I am. Like, I really don't know who I am. Who am I? My identity, I found my identity in um, having sex, having um, uh, relationships very early in life, and finding friends that were all kind of going through similar family crises so that then we became one. And so I started um, doing drugs at a very early age, I would say probably 13, and drinking very heavily. Um, I can remember being very angry with my mom, and I'm really not even sure why, um, but her and I never ever um, had a, what I would consider a, a mother-daughter relationship. It just didn't happen. Um, I was with my bo first boyfriend for eight years, um, and that ended up in cheating on his part, so I, I grew up just thinking that I had to live my life and be able to, to provide and survive for myself. Um, I got married at the age of 27, uh, well, a little bit before that. I um, went into my first treatment program at the age of 24. Um, I had been staying up for days on end and just partying with people that, you know, we would get ourselves into trouble with um, all kinds of things, identity theft, um, robbing houses, things like that. Just really bad choices. And I had um, been up for about eight days and my parents came home from a Vikings game, ironically, and um, they were pretty lit up and I had made the choice that I had called the cops on myself because I, I swore I saw people in the windows across the street trying to, trying to get me. <laughs> it was like, oh boy. And um, so the, my mom just wanted to feed me. She just wanted me to go to bed. And I said, no, mom, I'm, I'm, I need some help. You know, I need to go more than that. And so the next day, I put myself in a 30-day inpatient treatment center and... Uh, I learned a little bit more about myself there. I learned that what my father did was wrong. What my father did was not okay. That it was not okay to lie to me. And I could have very easily, with the promiscuity and stuff like that, and living in the same side of town, very easily ran into my brother. You know, and my counselor was furious. Um, I've always wanted to meet my brothers and sisters. It didn't happen until that time. Um, my dad, I called my dad on the phone and I said, listen, I really want to meet my, my, at least a sister, okay? Can I just meet, at least meet a sister? I used to play ball for her bar and I would sit at the bar and I would watch her serve people. And it was just the weirdest feeling to think that she's my sister and she has absolutely no idea who I am. And so he's, he, he got very upset with me and hung up. And the next thing I know, he um, calls me back it was actually the first time I ever realized the words of let go and let God. I looked at my counselor and I said, it's just not going to happen. It's just not. And in my heart, I knew that it would never happen, and I just gave it to God. I said, it's just not. And 10 minutes later, the phone rang, and I was paged during lunch, and he said, you will meet her on Sunday. You will not discuss me. You will not discuss your mother. And that's all I have to say to you. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I, you know, as sad as this is, I remember her coming to the hospital and meeting me and bringing me flowers. And um, she asked me when I saw my dad and our dad. And I would say on weekends and she'd say, well, that's funny. That's when he was always gone. 
And there really wasn't a whole lot of conversation, but there, I did feel love there. And, and I never saw her after that again, and I was okay with that. I was really okay with that, because for some reason, deep down inside, I felt validated. I felt like I wasn't just nobody. Like, nobody knew about me. Nobody cared. Um, my identity led me into, my identity crisis led me into many years of drugs and addiction and alcohol. Um, when I met Sean, um, I had just finished up a stint of 12 years of sobriety. I had been um, sober and clean. I had met a man in AA and we had two children, built our second house, um, and he turned to gambling. And I couldn't, I could not compete with a one-armed bandit. I mean, how do you compete with that? And so he chose not to stop and I chose to leave. Um, I took my two kids and I moved to Woodbury. Uh, we lived in Forest Lake at the time and I moved to Woodbury where my best friend lived and it was um, a place where I felt at least safe. Um, I could always count on her. Um, and one weekend while the kids were with their dad, I decided to have my first drink because once again I didn't know who I was. Who, who am I again? So I chose that it was okay to have just a cocktail and it really wasn't. It led to a very fast pace downhill, down road spiral. It happened to be three weeks later that I, I looked out my bedroom window and saw this guy at my pool and <laughs> There he was standing out there, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and, the, and my two boys came in the house and they said, Mom, Stone Cold Steve Austin's at the pool. <laughs> I said, get your suits on. <laughs> Lots of better shape for that. <laughs> so, needless to say, we found each other, and we also found that we shared a very common place in our life. He was also the product of an affair. And it was like soulmates meeting. It was like, wow, you know how I feel. And so we also shared the same thing and drinking and drugs. And that was really sad, but that's what happened. Um, we went through years of years of years of abuse and years of um, just trying to make it and trying to raise our children. We were very good at hiding those secrets, those years of learning how to keep secrets were, it worked for me in so that my children never saw us ever hide. My kids just wondered why I was vacuuming all the time at three in the morning. Um, but, you know, with all that being said, um, I now, um, after I came into the program, it was really strange. We had been kicked out of our apartment and we were going through terrible times and Whitney came up, Tristan's mom, and said, I really need help. I really need help with my children. I need you guys to get cleaned up. I don't ever know if your phone's on. I don't know where you live anymore. I don't know what's happening and I'm afraid you're gonna die. And um, I specifically remember having a conversation with Sean Jr. at one time and he said, you're killing my father. You're killing my father and I'm blaming you. And and I couldn't argue with it, it was true. And um, so when I walked through the doors of Teen Challenge, I, um, the first thing that was on my bed was a card that said this. And I thought to myself, for I know 
in, in my version, it said, for I know the plans that I have for you. And for once, somebody said they knew they knew my plan. And it was like, it was like something clicked for me. And um, it was, you know, a future and a hope. Something that I did not have at this time. I was so broken. So, so broken. And he declares that. He declares that. And I, I remember specifically thinking a declaration is something that you do when you have full intentions of doing something. And I knew that in my heart, this was where I really needed to be, was in this place at this time. And no matter what had happened to me all those years before this, it was all for something. And I didn't know what it was for at that time. I honestly didn't, but I knew that he had a plan. Um, I felt safe at Teen Challenge. We started to pray, and we started to pray for each other. We started to do things that we had never done before. We were not allowed to speak to each other. We were not allowed to share um, for a long period of time. And um, I think it was God's way of just getting us separate in order to get our hearts in the right place, you know. I mean, honestly, they could have told me to jump and I would have said how high. I was in such a broken place. I, I can't imagine that feeling again. I don't, that was a horrible time in my life. I can remember times where I would be in my closet smoking and I would be thinking, God, I would write things on, the, on boxes and I would say, can't you just take me out of this hell hole? I mean, I just feel like I'm in hell, you know? And so when I came to Teen Challenge and I started working on myself with the Lord, he started showing up. I, would, I wrote him a letter and I said, um, we could only see each other uh, for the first two months in short term, um, it, which is a 30 to 60 day program. You can only see each other on Tuesday nights for a family program. None of our families showed up. So we had each other. And they allowed us to sit together. There was uh, a pastor there that said, you know, I'm gonna put you two in certain places and you will be able to see each other, but I'm telling you, this program normally doesn't work for couples. So I want you to prove me wrong. He said, I will allow certain things for you and if you screw it up, it's done. You're done. I don't think Sean and I have ever been in a place where we were at that we honestly would have done anything they told us to. Anything the Lord had, had brought to us, we were so excited. So I, I bring this letter to him on a Tuesday night, and it's a Dear John letter, and I said, you know, the past 13 years, we've had our ups and downs, but seriously, this is, this is good stuff, and I really want to do this program, and if you're not up for it, I'm okay with that. Thank you. And I got to family night, and he says, I got a letter for you. And I go, what? And he goes, I got a letter for you. And I said, well, that's funny. I have a letter for you, too. And he goes, really, babe, I just want you to know it's, it's okay, and whatever you choose. And we started reading the letters. They were both Dear John, Dear Jane letters. And it was like, we just looked at each other and started laughing because we knew God ordained that. Because we had not spoken to each other about that. And it was like... That was a moment that God said, you need to choose again. Do you choose me? Do you choose me, really? Because I can make this work, but you have to choose me first.
And so he had a plan, a hope, and a future. Hope was something I hadn't had for years. So he gave that back to me. And I knew if I put my hope in him, he would give me a future. He would give me a future whether it was with him or not. And I was ready to take that. Um, it says, then, I, then you, will come to, you will call me and I will come and pray. And you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Trust me, there was a lot of prayers. There were a lot of prayers. And every time we prayed, it might not have always been the answer we wanted, but it always came around to glorifying him, and it always came around to the point where we knew there was a reason behind it, and we didn't have to always know the answer. We didn't have to always know why. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We were at that place. We were at that place. And I couldn't be more happier. I couldn't, I couldn't be more relieved that I don't have to run my own ship anymore. I ran my own self-willed run riot for many years, and it never, ever panned out. And I, I only wish I would have learned sooner in my life. I can remember a time because my mother was so judgmental and so manipulative. I can remember a time when I said to Sean, I can't wait till she passes so I can become a Christian. Who says that? You know, who says that? Because I don't want to, I don't want to listen to the, well, what's wrong with your religion? You already are, have a religion or you have a, you know, and I can, and to me to this day, I still think, how sad was that? She died being with my father for 57 years, never stepping out of that sin, never realizing how happy she could be and never having a relationship with her daughter like, I don't know, you know, and I struggle, I struggle for a long time with not having that with her. It, it, it still plays a part in my life sometimes. It still plays a part in my daughter's lives. I, I still don't know how to have relationships with them. Not like I wish I knew how, like, I, like a close relationship. And I struggle with that, and I think that's why God has me working where I am, because God knows... I lived with 50 women for 13 months, and I kept saying to myself, why am I here? And he kept saying, because I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. And so I thought it was because my daughter and her three children were going to live with us, but they've come and live with us, and now they're gone, and I'm still working at Teen Challenge, and now I have quite a few more women. <laughs> but it's working. It's working, and I'm blessed. Um, my other... My other one is, um, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will exalt in the earth. Honestly, I, I can't tell you how many times a day I say, be still and know that I am God. I don't have to know all the answers. I don't have to know. I just need to trust. I need to trust my leadership at my job. I need to trust my husband as my spiritual guide and leader at home. Um, things still happen for us. I mean, we still are not perfect. God knows we're not perfect. We don't claim to be um, but I think having the church ask me today to do this was just, you know, I, I'm so grateful that we prayed about having this church be our home church because pastor is so on it. Like I just said to Sean this morning, I really feel like pastor knows when we're starting to step away a little bit and we're starting to not show our face. And so he brings us in to remind us how grateful 
we need to be. We need to be grateful for everything we have. And we, it's just uh, time. It's time to come back and realize that. So thank you. All right. That's a wrap. We'll just, uh, <laughs> yeah, hit to follow that. Nice job, babe. Uh, we do have similar stories. Uh, I was a product of a, a affair that broke up a marriage. Uh, I grew up in the projects on the east side of St. Paul. Uh, was just, you know, I didn't realize it then because everything seemed to be just normal. Because all the families around us were going through the same things. You know, the verbal abuse, the sexual abuse, physical abuse, whatever it was, we kind of shared that same thing and, and it just seemed to be, that's just the way it was. It wasn't until later in my life, until I looked back, that I seen how dysfunctional and how messed up that was. But throughout my childhood and throughout my life coming into adulthood, I always, I didn't know it then, but I always found my worth in my, what I did. First it was sports, you know, then it turned into jobs, money, and those things are fleeting. They, they come and they go. And so there was no stability in that, knowing who I truly was. Um, I'll try to figure this. I, um, I went from uh, going to school, playing football, having, getting my ex-wife pregnant, and my father telling me that your, career, your college is over, you need to quit college, you need to get a job and support your family. That's it, it's a done deal. And so I did. Um, I went through that whole, whole spiel for a while because it was the right thing to do. Married her, had two more children. Uh, kept things together somewhat for a while. Uh, DWIs here and there. Um, just a little bit things to kind of keep reminding me that something was going on inside of me that I knew wasn't, it wasn't right. Never fully admitting that I had a problem or anything yet. Uh, went to about 10 outpatient treatments. Ended up leaving my ex-wife and my children at a crucial age. Uh, my son was just starting high school and my two daughters were at very vulnerable ages. Uh, some of that stuff is, has been repaired from the Lord, thank you for that. Uh, some has not. Still working through that with my daughters. A lot of hurt and rejection and pain. Uh, but I have faith in the Lord that he's going to work that out. I just need to stay focused on him. Um, after I, I met Tammy him, we uh, started our life together. We st I kept the, the I, thought I started drinking hard liquor and vodka. And I kept that in a clear Powerade bottle so that we wouldn't let the kids see what we were doing. We thought we were fooling them. Uh, we tried to do a good job at that so they wouldn't see us doing what we were doing. But obviously they knew something was wrong with arguing. You know, every four days all of a sudden there was a big fight or an argument or whatever. But it got to the point in my life, I'll wrap this up quick so I can share what the Lord's done. Um, 
it got to a point <clears throat> in my life where there was there was nothing left. Uh, Mikey left the house and went to college, and it was like three years of straight progression, hospitalizations, liver, fatty liver, uh, pancreatitis attack, uh, just, yeah, alcohol-induced psychosis in a psych ward. Uh, just, just terrible. Just, just kept going, spiraling down to the point where we started losing our apartments, losing our home, being homeless, sleeping, staying in somebody's basement where there's mice and stuff running around, laying on clothes. Just, uh, just no care. Just no hope at all. Uh, and that's when my daughter stepped in and asked us to go into Teen Challenge. And I, I had met the Lord previously, uh, never really picked the Bible up for just brief moments. But in my stupors, I would turn Joyce Meyer on in the morning and just start bawling, you know, with conviction. Just uh, He had a hold of my heart. I just was not willing to surrender yet. I just didn't know what that looked like. So when I walked through the door of Teen Challenge, I knew for a fact that this is the beginning to the end or I'm going to go through the year and it's going to be the end. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing and, and it was going to be over. Um, so when I walked in, I just said, I didn't know if God was real or this relationship with Jesus Christ, what that looked like. But I'm like, Lord, you have one year to show me that you are who you say you are. That's it. I'm going to give it all to you here. I'm going to do what it takes. And I started reading the Bible. I was quiet. I didn't really say anything to anybody. Myself, I was trying to apply what I was reading in the Bible, not really understanding it yet, but watching people carefully, watching the people that were standing up there jumping, praising, raising their hands and hallelujah, and then going back and talking about ungodly things. You know, the women that they seen in the chapel and whatever it was, and it was like that is absolutely not what, what this is supposed to look like. So just Retro, I forget what introspective thought process. I just kept holding my thoughts captive. That's where, that's where this uh, verse came in. <clears throat> Ooh, wrong way. Oh, not in there. Uh, anyway, it was about holding, it's in 2 Corinthians, and it's about holding your thoughts captive to... Um, captive to Christ, the obedience of Christ. And it was, uh, I started that thought process like knowing I'm walking down a hallway and seeing somebody I can't stand or a roommate just kind of feeling like wanting to punch him in the face because he was just an, an idiot. Sorry, just for being transparent here. Uh, but you know, and it's hard in a building with 110, I had 110 men in the building who were off the chain. Anyway, it was like, I had this, this instance, I have to share this, because this was a, a moment where the Lord spoke to me for the first time, and I acted on it. I had a roommate that was just doing, he had chew in his room, just doing everything against it, and then walking out into everywhere, praying in front of people, and I'm just like, that is just, that is so wrong. You know, so my heart was that, and I'm just like, 
One day I had enough and I blew up. And I was just letting them have it. And I, I walked off and I walked downstairs, there's three floors down to the, to the basement. As I'm walking, I'm like, oh Lord, please help me with, my, with this. What is going on? What could I do in this process to help this? And I could hear just a little bit like turn around and I'm walking and I got to the main floor and I'm just about to go down to the, the basement and turn around, I heard it clearly. And I turned around not even knowing and I'm going back up the stairs. And all I'm like, what is going, and I'm like, okay, what, what can I do with this? What, what am I supposed to learn from this? And I heard apologize, apologize for what you said. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I, there's no way. I just want to take him in the room and be done. And I walk up and I'm about to go in the room and he opens the door. And I'm standing in front of him and I went, listen, I know I'm sorry for how I approached you. I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you. I have no right to do that and hold and be in judgment of you. I need to be taking care of myself. And I just felt like the Lord was saying that I need to come to you and say that. And I'm sorry. You know, so and, and I just started turning to walk away and he grabbed my arm and he's like, wow, you know what? No, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm standing there just looking in amazement like what is happening here? And from that point on, we worked. I, he, he had his space, but we started to work together and things started to change for me. I started to listen more, hold my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ so that when I did speak, it was something good. It was, I wasn't letting anything bad come out of my mouth. I really took that to heart when he says, you know, you either speak life or death. That started to become real to me. So I didn't want to say anything offensive to anybody. Uh, I was always using that introspective thought. I still use that today. I try to capture my thoughts on a daily basis, minute, sometimes minute by minute, especially when I get in the car. But uh, this process, uh, knowing the Lord and just keeping him first in my life has meant everything to me, to my wife, to my family. Um, I know that when I have my face in this book, that life is worth living. Uh, for me, every answer that I need in this life is in this book for any direction that I need um, he's just amazing it's just practicing discipline trusting him and applying it to my life and for that I am extremely grateful uh, and I'm, I'm with Tammy on the, on the subject that you know I don't believe in coincidences I believe this happened for a reason today I believe that he, he placed us here in this spot to do this, to remind us that we cannot lose our gratefulness for who he is and what he's done for us in our lives. Um, so with that, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to us. Um, Tammy, we'll, we'll pray out. Tammy, you want to pray something and I'll finish her up? Okay. Father God, I just 
I come to you this morning humbly and I just say thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to do this, to speak your words, to show what you've done in our life, to bring forth how you always bring it around for your good. Lord, I just ask for complete protection with Doniqua and the children, with Greg, Jared, Pastor Bass. Let them be having an amazing time, and I can't wait for them to come home and, and be able to share what every, everybody's been through and how they've affected people wherever they are. Lord, I thank you. I ask that... Um, I know I did see some prayers this week come through on the email, and so, Lord, I'm just asking for special prayers for those people that you hear their hearts, that you cover them in peace. Lord, I bless this church. I thank you again. In Jesus' name I pray. I just want to add to that. The Lord has placed something on my heart uh, this week as I was just really thinking about what to say and how to how to say it that would honor him. And uh, the one thing that kept coming to my mind is to be praying for those that are that are listening that are in that spot of hopelessness who just don't know which way to go that think that that is all that life has to offer that there's no way out and there is there is a way out and it's Jesus Christ he is the answer the one way the truth and the life as we open our hearts and our minds to him today, I just ask that you give the strength, Lord, to those that just maybe are on the border of opening their hearts to you. Give them the strength to say yes, to reach out, to go to somebody who they know is a godly person that, that walks this thing out with Christ first in their life. Ask them for help. Take the next step. Give them the courage to accept you and let you lead their life. I just pray that if there's anybody in church who, do, who doesn't know, I mean, has just kind of stepped away or is caught up in a little sin, whatever it is, that we have the opportunity, gave us a choice to repent and turn from that and turn our faces to him. Lord, help us. Give us the strength we need. To move closer to you and thank you again for everything that you've done in our life and everybody that surrounds us and placing those in our life for a purpose in jesus name amen this has been a presentation of endurance church for more about the ministry head to endurancechurch.org follow us on twitter at twitter.com slash endurance church and like us on facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv Remember to live well and finish strong. We humble ourselves in your sight. We confess that there is no other hope. And we Double-mindedness My heart so prone
of your countenance and I will be satisfied when I awaken as a lover oh 